0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air. Time for our Creature Feature with Dunedin Wildlife Hospital joining us on the line now, Jordana White. Morena, Jordana, good to have you with us again.
1: Morena, Jeff.
0: We take this opportunity every month to talk about a special guest at the hospital. Um, today, uh, well, tell us who is your special guest
1: This is a a new species for us, which is pretty rare these days. Uh, Today we are talking about an Australasian crested grebe.
0: All right. So we're broadening our wings somewhat then, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. All right.
1: Yeah, it's not only...
0: Yes, sorry, go on.
1: Sorry, it's, it's not only new to us, but it's one of the weirdest birds that we've had in my opinion so it's pretty it's a pretty cool bird and I'm excited to tell you all about it.
0: Well I'm excited to hear about a weird bird. Um, (laughs) Okay let's start with how this bird came to be with you.
1: Yeah so we got a call from our mate Dr. Philippa Agnew who runs the uh, Oamaru Blue Penguin Colony. Uh, Somebody had brought this bird to her. They had seen it uh, in the sea near the Oamaru Wharf um, hanging out with the shags, hanging out with the rough crowd And it was looking a little bit sad and underweight and waterlogged, which for a bird that spends most of its time in or around water is not a good sign. Um, And it was scooped up and brought into pit. Um, So she rang us and and, um, had it transported down to us. So, Oamaru, it's, it's not that unusual for them to be seen there. They're kind of seen all over from time to time, but um, certainly not a normal uh, bird that you'd find in their harbour.
0: And uh, on receipt of this grebe, what did you find was the issue with it?
1: So we couldn't find any injuries, which is good, um, but like I said, he was quite underweight, um, and he's so he's a juvenile. We think he's about five to six months old, and Probably most likely, so he's this, this would be this year's, one of this year's chicks, um, and just maybe hasn't quite learned how to grieve yet. So uh, the this, this fact that he was waterlogged and not waterproof is a sign that he's, he's just, he hasn't figured things out quite yet. Uh, needs a little bit of help to reset himself, um, which is what he's doing in hospital. And we, we don't have, um, so normally if we have a patient that is, doesn't require veterinary care uh, under, you know, under, you know, hospital level veterinary care, we would send them out to a rehabber for the sort of the second part of their um, care, but we don't have any rehabbers anywhere that do grebes because they are so rare. There's really not a um, you know a niche for it. Uh, so we're actually doing the rehabilitation of this of this particular patient. Um, sometimes we do that with certain types of uh, seabirds. And yeah, so he's, he's got a little bit of an extended stay with us, which is, is actually fine by us because, like I said, he's really weird and interesting. Um, and so it's, it's kind of cool to have a, a new species to observe in hospital.
0: Yes, so a learning experience for all those involved as well, no doubt. And probably you're, you're hitting all the, uh, the internet sites and talking with, uh, with colleagues elsewhere about these birds. Now, you keep us waiting no longer. Why is this uh, Australasian crested grebe uh, so weird?
1: Yeah, so to begin with, they are, as I said, they're a bit rare. So they, although this species is found in every continent in the world, they're not, there's between Australia and New Zealand, there's thought to be maybe 3,000 of these birds, so not too many of them. We think we have about 600 in Otago, but nobody really knows. So the numbers actually, if you think about it, 600 out of 3,000, that's a pretty sizable chunk that we have here in Otago. Um, but they're, they're unusual in a number of ways. Um, one is that they're actually really happy to be either in a saltwater environment or in a freshwater one. So they move quite easily between the two. Um, and they, But they do only breed in, uh, in freshwater lakes. So in, in Otago in particular, they like the high country lakes. Um, but there is also a nesting group, a bunch of nesting pairs, actually, at Lake Wanaka.
0: Yeah, I think, so I, 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 think uh, um, I recall doing a walk around the circuit track around Lake, Lake Hayes and uh, bumped into it locally He said, well, oh, make sure you look out for the, uh, for the grebes. And, uh, and there they were um, teaching young ones uh, how to uh, fish and dive for, for food. It was, um, it was amazing to see.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great experience. And did you see the parents carrying their chicks on their back?
0: No, I didn't see that.
1: They're yeah, they're that's something bigger. that they do as well. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool if you get a chance to see these little fluffy chicks just hitching a ride with their parents around the lake. That and as you tough. said, yep, yeah, they they do quite interactive, teaching their young ones. Um, the, another thing that's a little bit unusual is they can have three clutches of eggs per year, which I guess in and of itself isn't that unusual, but. <laughs> They do a rather unfortunate thing, which is when they've had, then they've laid the next clutch. They kind of just boot the the, the previous chicks, uh. Uh, which doesn't always result in the best mortality rates. So uh, that's maybe working against them a little bit. Whatever that that um, timing issue is, um, but otherwise, yeah, they spend a lot of time teaching their teaching their chicks how to do things um, in the water and around the water's edge, which is probably why you were able to view them so easily, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think one. Uh, you may have seen. I don't. I don't know if you if you remember this. But one of the things that I find so unusual about this bird is just how it looks. It's it's a um, has a really long skinny neck, and it has um, a really sp- poofy spiky double crest, and then it has these what are called cheek frills that are chestnut brown and white and really big and, and spiky and poofy as well. So I think it looks like very much like a rock and roll bird. Yeah, I think bit of, it's. Been to it. It's, I, I would say like maybe kiss a kiss look, <laughs> yeah. uh, or I also think that this the feathers make it look like it's it's mullet adjacent. It could be it could be viewed as a little bit of a mullet hairstyle or feather style or whatever. Um, but you can't. I mean, you're an adult. And it's adult plumage. Like, yeah, that's definitely the silhouette of the, the big poofy kiss style hair. Is um, Yeah, you can't mistake it. Yeah. So that, that's pretty cool. But it's also um, what you probably didn't see at Lake Hayes is that uh, – so on land, they're extremely awkward. Their feet are moved really far back on their bodies, and that's because they're made for diving, and they're made for power in the water. And the placement of their feet and their legs makes sense for swimming and diving, but it doesn't make sense for walking. So in the hospital, um, we let it out for exercise. It has this kind of like weird side-to-side wobbly walk, and its super long neck does this King Cobra impression where it's sort of snaking back and forth side-to-side and not in time with the rest of its body. So it's it's quite a sight to see. Um, And one of the things that I find fascinating too are its feet, which they have three toes. And the three toes are encased in these flat flaps of skin called lobes. They're just called skin lobes. And they, when the bird is swimming, it's really clever. But when the bird is swimming, um, it gets it gets really hydrodynamic on the forward stroke. So when you want when they want to move smoothly through the water, and then when they do a backward stroke for the power, those flaps open up like little parachutes and give them more um, more thrust. It's just, it's pretty clever, but it's really weird to look at. <laughs> All right, so so
0: graceful uh, on and under the water, but perhaps not quite so much on land.
1: They're not really in their element on land, I must say. Yeah, but it's um, for me, it's pretty interesting to see them uh, in the, in you know see this one in the hospital, and, and yeah, its feet are very strange. But um, I would say the weirdest thing about these birds, though, is their courtship dance, and I cannot say it to your listeners enough. Google it, look it up on YouTube and see if you can find a pretty, there's a, a bunch of them out there. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole looking at them. Um, and I'm just going to read you a description. Uh, I think this is from the um, New Zealand birds online uh, resource because I can't say it any better than this, but their, their courtship dance includes synchronized head shaking that shows off their head crests, a weed dance where they dive and offer each other water weeds. And, and I'm not kidding that this is called this the ghostly penguin. Where they rise chest to chest while walking on the water, and a growling cat display.
0: Wow, that would yeah. be something so, to see, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> if you ever get a chance, uh, you know, maybe in person. If you're out at Lake Hayes or Lake Wanaka, you might get a chance to see that. Um, they do mate for life, so you have kind of less of a chance with established pairs. But um, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite something. I re- definitely recommend um, doing that, but. Um, Our patient isn't ready for that dance yet because he's too young. Mm. So he's, he's a juvenile. He doesn't have his full like kiss mullet, uh, rock and roll hairstyle yet. Um, and he's still, yeah, like I said, he's still learning how to grieve. So we're helping him out with his fish, um, which he likes to fling everywhere in the hospital. They have this like hyperdrive action with their long neck where they whip things around and it just, you can imagine there's fish up the walls and up the ceiling. It's (laughs) terrible.
0: How has he taken to uh, to being uh, in hospital? I know uh, we, we sometimes have a bit of fun talking about uh, how th- your animals are behaving while they're there, whether they uh, seem to uh, be relatively relaxed in your company or whether they just want to get the heck out of there. Where would you place this one?
1: He, I would place him definitely on the relaxed end. Um, he's Yeah, he's been pretty chill. He's been pretty easy to handle. Um, the staff have been surprised that um, even though they are considered a large uh, diving bird, it, he handles... What we say he handles pretty small, so he doesn't feel like a huge bird. So he's pretty easy to manage. Um, and he, he, although he has a really epic, really sharp, pointy beak uh, that one should definitely be aware of, um, he hasn't actually used it on us yet, which is amazing. So no one's been on the business end. He's happy with the, the variety of fish he's getting in hospital. Um, he's also getting frozen mealworms, which is I'm sure is a delightful snack for him. So he's pretty happy with the service. Um, and we're water trying to get him waterproofed, so he spends. He, I should say, he will spend time in our therapy pool. At the moment, we have a black gull patient that's out there, uh, so he can't share that space with the blackback gull. But uh, we're swimming him in our sink, so you might any visitor at the hospital might walk into Ward Three and see that there's a grebe swimming in our sink.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, now, overall, not huge populations. What does that indicate? Is this bird under threat?
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is a nationally vulnerable classified species, um, and they they are like. You know, many. Well, I should say first of all, they are extinct on the North Island, so they're not seen on the North Island, which is really interesting. Um, not, I'm not actually sure why they they are a, a species that really needs clean water, and so it's possible that maybe the lakes are too polluted on the North Island so don't, don't write in. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, um, or it could be that their their breeding habitat has really disappeared from the North Island. But I and it's it, sadly the numbers are starting to drop at, you know, from the. Um, north of the South Island as well. So we're kind of, a, a, I, th- I would say Otago is a bit of a stronghold uh, for these birds, um, and probably Canterbury as well. They are, like many of the species we talk about, Jeff, they are uh, really vulnerable to introduced mammals like stoats and ferrets, and that, that's, that's no surprise. Um, they're nesting, they have nesting platforms, like they build um, floating nests, so you'd think that they'd be safe from things like stoats and rats. But they are close to the shore, as you saw um, at Lake Hayes, so the rats and stoats can swim to those, those nesting platforms um, and grab eggs and chicks. And they are attached. Those nesting pl- platforms are also attached um, underwater with vegetation, and so they're, they, they aren't too far out in the middle of the lake. Um, so, yeah, pretty risky for them. And interestingly, the establishment of hydroelectric power schemes, so dams uh, that can raise and lower artificially the level of lakes also has an effect on them. Um, so it can actually flood their nests if the lake levels go up really quickly. Um, and then, you know, Lake Wanaka in the summer, lots of boats, um, so their nests can get swamped by um, boat wakes as well. So they have a, a couple of a couple of threats that none of our other species that we talked about really have, which is not great because they also have the <laughs> the introduced predator issue.
0: Mm. So, awareness is one thing, isn't it? Um, being aware that where these populations are and what the particular circumstances of them are so that we can take extra care around those areas?
1: Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the as I said, the lakes, you know, some of the popular lakes, um, Just if, if you are out boating, be a responsible boater. Take, make sure that you use a really slow speed when you're anywhere near the shoreline so that you limit the wake and the disturbance that could upset those nests. Um, and, of course, getting involved with trapping always helps, especially out in those areas around uh, around the lakes in Otago here. Uh, and should you happen to have, should you be lucky enough to have a batch in Wanaka and you want to help out specifically with this very weird and cool species, um, check out the um, Lake Wanaka Grebes page on Facebook. And that's a, a project run by John Darby, who's a total legend. Uh, knows heaps about grebes and is working on uh, a project to help um, bolster their numbers out that way. And there's probably lots of volunteer opportunities with them.
0: Brilliant stuff. Oh, well, there we are. We've all learned something, including uh, the staff at Dunedin Wildlife Hospital, uh, about the Australasian crested grebe. Jordana White, thanks once again for bringing us this wonderful creature so that we get to learn a little bit more about it. We look forward to catching up with you again in a few weeks' time.
1: Excellent. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. The
0: Wildlife Hospital Dunedin treats sick and injured native New Zealand species right here in the heart of Aotearoa's wildlife capital. Their expert veterinary team patches up more than 500 patients every year, returning the majority of them back to the wild where they belong. You can learn more about the hospital, including ways to support this charitable trust, at wildlifehospitaldunedin.org.nz or follow their Facebook page for more fabulous creature content.
1: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air.